Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Synth 71 podcast. My name's Stuart, I'm the founder of the website and today I'm joined by three very special guests. I'm joined by one of our own writers, Ben Gilby, who is also the founder of Impetus Women's Football and uh, the Roxham football club pair, Daryl Allen, who's the club's media officer and Harriet Mears, who is one of the rising stars of the club. Hopefully you enjoy the episode and uh, with no further ado, we'll uh, jump straight in. Daryl, how are you doing today? Yeah, very well, Stu. Thank you for thank you for having us tonight. Ah, it's a pleasure. And Harriet, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm great, thank you. Looking forward to uh, to see what we might speak about tonight. How are you doing, Ben? Good to see you, Stu. Good to speak to everyone, and good to see everyone who I've who I've known for a while, but for whatever reasons, not been able to speak to for ages. So it's good to see everybody in person. Yeah, it's always one of the nicest things about doing these podcasts. While everyone else can only um, hear the audio, we at least can see some faces. And it's uh, it's really nice to see some faces outside of our own four walls, uh, especially uh, football-related ones, because uh, we're obviously struggling to see each other on the pitch at the minute. But after today's announcement that the uh, the FA Cup is uh, going to be played and some uh, local cup competitions seem to be looking that going to be played, hopefully we might be able to get to, to see a little bit more football, uh, especially if it does start to... Uh, Later in May, we might be able to get something going, uh, but that, that's uh, that's jumping ahead. So a few of our, probably maybe many of our listeners might be forgiven for not knowing too much about Wroxham, um, being that the club has only existed for about two years. Um, Daryl, could you tell me um, a little bit about the club, please? Yes, yeah, so we're in our second season. We're an Eastern Region Premier Division club, which is step five of the Women's Pyramid. Um, Roxham was formerly Akil Women until 2019, when they decided to um, sort of reach out to step five men's clubs around the region and um, sort of see who wanted to take them on as a women's club. And uh, Roxham jumped at the opportunity to do that. And um, they've so far had two two fantastic years representing Roxham. And, um, but sadly, none of the results have stood at the moment. And it, it doesn't look like until next season there might be a set of results. Yeah, it's a, it must be a frustrating one. And um, could you tell us a little bit about your role within the club and uh, how you became to, to join them? Yes, yeah, so my role is uh, media officer. At the club, the only media officer at the club. It's a new role that they haven't had before, and I was approached sort of at the beginning of last year, just before the first lockdown, when I was um, volunteering at Norwich Women, and um, by the manager Bex, who sort of asked me if I'd be interested in um, 
joining the club and then I joined after all the lockdown one was out of the way and football restarted I joined last September and uh, my job is sort of to bring the club in a positive light on social media and do the match day coverage and um, all the tweets in between really basically everything you see on the club social media. (laughs) So is that just the the women's site is it? How do you work Uh, with the men's as well? No, with Roxham, uh, it's just the women's side. I do have a a, a men's football role at Norwich United. Yeah. But and with Roxham, it's just the women's team. So, yeah, so you're the fixture secretary at Norwich United. How do you manage both of those? Presumably, Norwich United must play on a Saturday at least. They do. Norwich United is normally Saturday and Tuesday nights, and Roxham is um, Sunday. But when it's all up and running, it is a, it is a very, very busy schedule, but I enjoy it. So it's all good. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And um, how have you been finding the role? Because it must be really tricky finding content when there's no football. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect, when I took it on, I didn't expect there to be the, the breaks that they had because obviously we've actually only played, I think we only had 10 or 11 games between in September and October. And then we obviously had the November circuit break lockdown. And then we came back for one or two games in December and then we've been stopped again since. So it's been an, it's been a challenge, but we've had um we've had content go out, we've had plenty of content with Ben and his website at Impetus and um we've done a few reviews of the games using some of the brilliant photos we've got. So there's been plenty go out. We've been quite it's been quite good in that regard. Excellent. So you found the men's club have been very welcoming and quite supportive of the women. Yeah, they've been um, fantastic. And the, the support base from the men's, the supporters that go to the men's games, they come along to the to the women's games. The Roxham have a supporters group called the um, the Roxham Blue Wave Band. Excellent. And they, they come to the Roxham men's games. But they also bring all their instruments and things and come to the women's games as well. So we're really lucky to have their support. Oh, that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. And um, we've got a little bit of a, a link between the three of you because, uh, Ben, you actually sponsor Harriet, don't you? We do, yeah. We, it, was, it was quite lucky. It's one of the good things that came out of um, Impetus suddenly growing in terms of readership was that we were in a position where we were able to, sort of, to give back a bit more to the women's football community. So one of the things I really wanted to try and do was to sponsor some players or get some content um, relationships going with clubs that you know, to give them that bit of extra public relations. Um, Daryl and I have known each other for a couple of years now through um, Norwich City Football Club. Um, we usually regularly meet before games at Carrow Road for lunch and that. So I, I've known him for a long time and I know how keen he was to get involved at Roxham and some of the great work that was going on there. So it kind of followed quite naturally that that would be a good sort of first base to get involved with. Um, so we were talking about it for a couple of months. And then just before Christmas, um, we were tipped off that there was this uh, new signing going to be announced and that was how we, we the conversation then moved on to sponsorship and then lo and behold literally literally just before christmas um i had a message from bex the head coach at Roxham, saying they they've announced the signing of harriet and would we like to sponsor her and yeah that's where we went from there it's great so harriet i know obviously when you signed for the club um you came in as a defender um but I know in the past you've played for you've played for the university and you've played for uh, Sunday League and other clubs. Is that your favourite position to play in, or have you got sort of stronger positions elsewhere on the pitch as well? Do you think? 
Um, I'd say over the years I've played in um, a multitude of positions, uh, sort of started back um, in a day in sort of a central midfield role. Um, and sort of as I went to play with higher teams, I sort of found my way back into defence. Um, thought first game I got put there, thought I'd absolutely hate it um, and loved it. So haven't thought about moving back since. Um, I spent a lot of time in right back um, until sort of the end of last year, really, where I've gone to sort of a more central defensive role and loved it and love the partnerships that that sort of position can hold. So, I mean, as someone who's played in different positions, obviously, you know, everyone sort of has people they might sort of try and model, their, model themselves on throughout the game. Is there anyone in particular that you model yourself on within your position or in other positions that you've played in? Um, I suppose across both positions, there's a couple of people. Um, when I was growing up, I was more around the men's game, um, I suppose for two reasons. I didn't. The women's game wasn't as big um, when I was growing up. And obviously my dad and my brother and all the men's football going on in the house. Um, so Stephen Gerrard was always a key one for me. Um, he's a good leader on the pitch, central defend, uh, central midfielder, sorry. And um, more recently, um, since 2019 Women's World Cup, Lucy Bronze, a classic um, for a lot of women out there, um, sort of her right back position. And I think she's just um, a fantastic inspiration for anyone, any girl looking to sort of improve in their football. If I could just come in there a second, Harriet. So the fact that you played in the middle of the park, is that? Um, do you think that helps you playing right back as well? Um, yeah, the, the sort of positions definitely um, interact with each other. And um, as a defender, now I can sort of vision how um, midfielders may play, how they may want the ball. Um, but all in all, I'd say it's a very different position to play, um, but it's definitely helped me uh, go back into that role myself. And do you feel more comfortable going forward and attacking because of that experience? Um, I guess that's both ways. Um, probably not what you would expect, but um, I'd say I almost lost a bit of confidence going forward um, as I went back on the pitch, um, perhaps because I got quite comfortable there. Um, so sort of my teammates will often, I mean, not for Roxham because I haven't seen it yet, but um, will often laugh because when I get the ball, I'll sometimes think, oh my God, now what? And then I can remember that I can go forward and I can still do I'm not stuck into my one position on the pitch. Um, so I'd say actually for me, it's kind of the opposite effect. Um, which is something I can work on with my confidence. And you've obviously highlighted two role models in Lucy Bronze and Stephen Gerrard that are both quite well known for being quite vocal leaders and communicating well on the pitch. Would you say that that's something that uh, you're comfortable doing that during games? Um, yeah, definitely. So with uh, my university team and one of my Sunday league teams back in the day, um, I was captain and currently I'm one of the university teams. And I definitely say I'm vocal on the pitch like... Um, Rocks and obviously won't have seen that yet, and because I'm new in, um, I guess there'll definitely be a bit of shyness to begin with. But it's definitely a vocal person on the pitch. I like to know what's going on, I like to sort of encourage all the players around me, and things like yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Um, I, I used to play right back, and so as far as I'm concerned, it's the best position on the pitch. You get um, all the luxuries of being able to attack, defend, and um, yeah, you don't have to worry about all the. Uh, the stuff that they worry about and the, the centre backs and the uh, the goalkeepers. If you concede, you kind of you can kind of not have to worry about so much. But and if you go and score a goal, you're probably a little bit further up the pitch, so you get that little bit of credit as well. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a demanding role, and um, there's no way that I could play it anymore. I'd, I'd probably last about five minutes at my level of fitness. Um, you so you've obviously touched on um, Lucy Bronze and when you were younger, the the lack of women's football uh, being available to yourself. Do you watch much women's football now? 
Um, so yeah, over the last two, three years, I've definitely enjoyed more women's football. Um, when I was um, sort of 15, 16, I was help, helping coach um, a local team. And uh, we took the girls um, to one of the international women's games at Wembley. And I think that was great because at the time, these girls were sort of nine, 10 years old. So they were just coming into the world of women's football. So it was like great to look um, and how they were inspired by the game. And sort of since then, well, I found the, I've sort of found the time to watch more women's Super League games. Um, some of the teams I like to sort of at least watch the highlights of are Arsenal, Man City, Chelsea. Um, but definitely, I definitely think it's, we're getting there more and more now um, with the women's football platform. I think it's great to see. You just kind of touched on something that I find quite interesting about women's football. Obviously, there isn't the tribalism that you get in the men's game, but there just seems to be a real openness that everyone seems to be, they'll have their favourite team, but then they, they, they're they quite happy to watch a whole range of teams. And as much as they're neutral, they, they want to kind of watch as much female football as they can. And it's, it's really positive and really nice to see. Yeah, I think that's um, a really interesting point, actually, because having uh, got the team that I support with men's, when you put it like that, I realise I just support that team. Um, but then when I think about the women's game, there's so many different teams that I like to watch, different players that all come to one. Um, I suppose that comes from watching the Lionesses games and all the individual players. Um, but yeah, that's a really interesting point, actually, when you think about it. So, so who is your men's team? Uh, Liverpool, quite controversial mm. in the Roxham squad, that one, I can tell you that. <laughs> Well, so I'm a I'm a Man United fan as um as well since since primary school. So I reckon we've probably got about thirty odd years out of it. But um, when I when Manchester United women formed, I I kind of initially took a little bit of a liking to them. But especially with working through since seventy one, I speak to so many teams and so many players that I kind of I, I genuinely do support so many teams and have a soft spot for so many clubs. Um, even just speaking to yourselves now for less than 15 minutes, I'm really excited about the prospect of coming to watch a, a Roxham game, hopefully before the end of the year. And that's what I, I, it's kind of, I love women's football more than I do men's football now. I, I purposely made the decision last night, being a Man United fan, I didn't want to watch Man United Crystal Palace. In I think I made the right decision by watching the uh, the, the Chelsea Atletico Madrid game in the end. It, it was much more interesting, had much more to it. And it, it baffles me when I see the the trolls online knocking women's football because it, it's a million times more entertaining than most men's games. And um, it's it's brilliant seeing it to develop. For me, I'm most interested in that the areas of women's football that, that yourselves compete in, that third tier, fourth tier, fifth tier and sixth tier. And that for me is probably the most important tier in women's football and will continue to be over the next coming five to 10 years. The Football Association have done a, a great job in promoting the Women's Super League. But in order to grow the Super League, you need to get those foundations. You need to be able to have teams that are newly professional to bring up into the WSL, which you seem to have now with the likes of Leicester, um, Sheffield United, Liverpool. So that, that, that there is a, a, a feasible case that you could we could increase the WSL soon. And there's starting to be a case with the third tier where you've got clubs like Watford, you've got Burnley that are going... Um, professional and then when you see what they're doing at clubs like Ipswich and Watford you think well actually they're probably in a position where they could go up to the uh the championship 
And then you see clubs like yourselves that are really pushing on. You think, actually, we, we fancy our chances in the fourth tier and there'll be teams in the fourth tier that will fancy their chances. So building that solid foundation is um, is really exciting. And I think that you guys are going to have a f- fantastic five years, hopefully. And um, yeah, it, I find it really, really exciting. But um, as you kind of touched on earlier, um, the club compete in the East Region Women's Football League Premier Division. Could you tell tell us a little bit about the league? Yeah, so we're the Eastern Region Premier Division, which is a um, a twelve team division, I believe, and um, it's sort of teams across the east and down as far as Haringey, where we went just before Christmas and sadly lost. But um, but yeah, there's teams like there's ourselves, there's Wyndham, who are our big local rivals. Um, there's teams like Luton, Bedford, Colney Heath, Dunstable. And a few others as well, but it's it's a really competitive league, and the the um the problem with it is um there's only one promotion spot, which makes it probably one of the harder women's leagues to get out of, and uh, you have to you have to be very very good to come out on top of it. It's one of the difficulties within women's football, full stop, isn't it? There's just that bottleneck because there's very limited movement with only one team going down and one team getting promoted. It it does it is very difficult. Is that something that you'd like to see change? Yeah, I mean, we we would love to see sort of maybe playoffs introduced in that league. So maybe second to fifth plays off of each other, maybe for a second promotion. I think that would make the league um, probably even more competitive and give more teams something to to play for. Because if you get if you get runaway leaders in the division, it can sort of by the time you get a few games from the end, there can be sort of nothing left to play for. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and we, we we've all seen it plenty of times where you've got that team that wins their last six games in a row, um, just makes it in the playoff. They go into the playoffs uh, with a bit of momentum, and um, yeah, sneak promotion from the uh, the poor team that's been stuck in second for the whole season, um, which was, which must be a little bit of a killer. Um, but Harry, you haven't been able to have you been able to play a game for the, the Roxham yet? Uh, no, I was due to play uh, in my first game, and then. Uh, I believe the team cancelled due to COVID concerns in the end. So, no, I haven't. Oh, and then the national lockdown came in. Yes, indeed. Yeah, frustrating. Um, how, so, how did you come to sign for Roxham? So, Bex um, was brought over to UEA, at, uh, well, so the University of East Anglia, our football team, as our head development coach after our coaches left this season. And sort of two months after this, um, she messaged me and just asked if I'd be interested in coming to a session. Um, so I didn't expect the text message. Um, sort of had to read it a few times. And I thought, well, I'd be stupid not to give it a go, really. So um, I messaged her back and sort of said I'd love to come to a session. And it all sort of started from there, really. It must be really nice that someone's got that confidence and support in you. Uh, confidence is a really big thing for me. And um, I've never had someone come in and approach me like that. And it feels great to have um her support and I have to say it's made me the person I am now it's encouraged me to push myself further than I would have if she hadn't have given me the support and the confidence that she has. Daryl um Bex is obviously instrumental in the launch of Roxham could you tell us a little about what a little bit about what she brings to the role? She's a very very passionate manager who devotes her life to uh, football because she works for the local county association, so she um, 
every day of her life is football, 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 which is no bad thing. And um, she just cares about her players and her people and she wants the best for them. And uh, not enough people do that. And she's always she's always very happy to uh, listen and always very, very happy to um, sort out any problems that anybody may have, which is a really lovely thing. Harriet, so you've obviously had a relationship with her through coaching at university. So that probably must make the transition to Roxham that little bit easier, being that you've not been able to train. Um, how would you describe her managerial style? Um, I have to say, the exact word that Daryl just used summed it up so perfectly. She's so passionate um, and very professional at the same time. And I think to have a coach or manager that literally lives, breathes everything football um, is very inspirational and her style of coaching just constantly pushes that personal player development for everybody um, and it almost feels like she's one of us as well so she sort of maintains every element of being a manager so perfectly. Excellent it, it sounds like she's doing uh, doing a great job and um, you must be looking forward to actually being able to pull on the, uh, the shirt and actually play for her again. Yeah uh, whenever that day will be however long awaited um, I'll be nervous but I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it'll, by the minute you step on the pitch, it'll, hopefully it should uh, it should all come back to you. How have you all been staying in touch? Uh, so we all have a WhatsApp group and the sort of family spirit in that over this lockdown has been amazing. The moment I first met the girls, they were all very welcoming. But um, obviously it's very easy to lose touch being apart. But sort of we all post in our own fitness things as we do them, running. Um, everyone's achieving so many goals at the moment and it's so nice to see and support each other and no matter what you put in whether it's a good thing how you're feeling whether you're feeling bad that day the support is just it just radiates through everybody we have you been able to train with the squad uh, I've done some training sessions I started I think one of my first might have been the beginning of December but because the squad has got such a wide base of players doing various things I there's actually quite a few that I haven't met yet um, may that be through their full-time job um, always landing on the training day or just the fact that I haven't had many training sessions so actually yeah there's so many people that I see in this group chat that I haven't actually met face to face yet. So there's an impending announcement due from the FA about the return to football and what that may look like I mean obviously we've heard today through Norfolk that the county cups are going to be back on the agenda which is positive to start with so I mean first of all from a club's perspective Daryl and then obviously from the playing perspective from Harriet I mean what would you what's your view in terms of how best to progress for the rest of the season well our best view was we thought the league should be made null and void that was the club's opinion um based on we didn't think football would be played till april and we still don't know whether the women's season has been extended beyond the 31st of may but even if it was extended until the end of June, they're realistically, unless you have three or four midweek games, there wouldn't be time to um, complete the season. So the club's opinion is that we should null and void. But I understand we're getting an official answer. We commence in Monday the 15th of March. That's what I heard this week. Is that, do you know if that's kind of quite widely shared within the league or is that just, as far as you know, just the Robson perspective at the moment? Um, I believe it's shared quite widely across the steps three to six pyramid. But there's a lot of hope that cup competitions will um, either recommence or there might be some new cups to take part in. Yeah. And obviously I know from speaking to other players around various levels of the game, Harry, that they're 
some of them are saying, look, I'm really keen. I'll keep playing into June or July if need be, just because I've missed the game so much and I just want to get back out there. So, you know, where do you stand in that? Obviously, you can see where the club are looking at, but obviously you probably want, you know, you're desperate to get back out, particularly as you haven't played for the club and how, you know, it all came about, you signed and then everything shut down. You know, what's your take on all that? Um, I think I've got mixed views. I fully agree and support um, Roxon's decision on the null and void because if you think about the amount of time us as players have had off, like, you know, over summer, we have less time than this and we still need a big pre-season. And that pre-season, we haven't got time for that and to finish the games. We haven't even got time to finish the games. Um, So from a playing perspective, I really want to get back on board. I want to get playing. But I think there are other ways uh, through like the cup competitions, the friendlies, um, even perhaps like a knockout style extra tournament, like a league style. Um, Yeah, I'm desperate to get playing. But equally, I think that it's unrealistic to get all of the games in in a fair manner that's safe to do so as well. So, I mean, in terms of your time coming in the club, obviously you, you signed and then we went pretty much straight into lockdown. I mean, do we know where we are yet in terms of a ret- return to training? Not necessarily in terms of return to matches, but in terms of like whole bigger group training yet or not? Uh, personally, nothing's really sort of been set in stone or said because, well, I guess maybe hopes and also we just don't know. Um, I assume it'd be early April, Um sort of for the date, I think it's about 29th of March, but nothing's been finalised or sort of projected to us as players just yet. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of how things are at the club, there was talks are just ongoing on a regular basis. You know, we're still at a situation where nobody sort of knows what's happening from one day to the next, effectively, is is it still? Yeah, I mean, all we know at the moment is um, training and matches are permitted from the 29th of March. Mm. We know that the clubs in Norfolk have voted to continue the county cup competitions, but we don't know what's happening with our league. We don't know whether supporters are going to be permitted at these games. We don't know whether uh, we we don't know whether the season will be extended to allow the games to happen. But yeah, we, there's a lot of unknowns. But we'd hope to find out some answers soon, considering we're only three and a half weeks away from being able to train. So in terms of how well supported you think as a club you've been throughout the whole situation and the sort of the decision making process, um, whether it be through the county associations or the more national bodies, so how positive has that conversational experience been, do you think? Um, in terms of the county FA, I think they're they're doing a brilliant job. In terms of the national FA, I don't think that there's enough communication. I mean, an example of that is it it doesn't directly concern Roxham, but um, last week there was the announcement about the steps three to six men's pyramid being made null and void. And they told the the national FA told the county FAs at six o'clock that that was going to happen. And then the announcement was at half past six. So they they don't help the county FAs as much. But we obviously don't know what the um, the women's announcement is going to be. I think a lot of it is waiting for the um, the government sports department as well. So um, there's sort of probably communication all around could be a lot better. OK, so Daryl, on a bit more of a personal front here, you're a very familiar face among the sort of the grassroots football scene in Norfolk and particularly in the, the women's football family in that part of the world. And as part of that, you've received an award um, from Baroness Sue Campbell for your, your work in the grassroots part of the game. What, have you, what did you do in order to receive that reward and how did it feel? 
it was really special because the unknown element of it. I um, I was at home alone. Um, my mum and dad were away on holiday, and I was doing some jobs around the house one Friday evening, and I logged into Twitter, and there was something like forty or fifty notifications on there because this announcement had gone out that I knew nothing about, and there was all these congratulation messages. And I was like, what's this? And then uh, I was reading more of it. And there was um, all these clubs and all these people sending really nice messages. And I'd won the, the Norfolk FA Grassroots Supporter of the Year, which was back, as you said, in 2019. So that was before before I was at Roxham. So that was to do with my support for Norwich United and Norwich City Women at the time, I assume. But it was really nice because... Um, the video on Twitter that the Norfolk FA organised was from at Sue Campbell, as you said. And then I actually saw her the next day when we went to, when we both met up at the Walsall ground to watch the England Lionesses. So that was actually um, quite an amazing thing. But a, re- a really nice award, which I then collected five or six months later at the um, official ceremony. So, yeah, really special. Daryl, whereabouts was that ceremony? It was at um, a place in Norwich called the Space, which is like a big um, conference conference hall. So um, yeah, it was like it's sort of Norfolk FA's biggest biggest night of the year. So it was um, nice to be involved. <laughs> oh, awesome! No, it's a it's a fantastic achievement. I um I personally coach at youth level with Haven and Waterlooville girls, so. Um, it's not lost on me the importance of volunteers at this level of women's football all the way down through to the uh, the youth sections. And and to be honest, even a bit higher in the uh, women's football pyramid, um, much of the uh, women's tier three national league um, wouldn't be where it is now without the volunteers that give up hours and hours and hours of time to help run those clubs. What was it that spurred you on to get involved in women's football in the first place? Um, it was really just going to watch a few games and then I started watching Norwich, who played, who used to play at the same ground as Norwich United. And then um, the Norwich manager at the time, Grant Palmer, sort of picked up picked up on the fact I was um, very passionate. And then I did their, worked on their turnstile for a few years and um, promoted them through my own social media. And then the opportunity, after I won this football award, people sort of got to know who I was a bit more and then um, Beck sort of started having discussions with me around about this time last year all the way through the lockdown and then um, offered me the opportunity to work with Roxham which is what I'm doing at the moment which is a really nice thing and I hope to continue to do it for a lot of years. So you were headhunted then? Yeah which is a really nice thing. Yeah, it, um, it sounds like Bex has done uh, a great job at making everyone within the club feel welcome and like an important cog in the Roxham machine. Definitely, she certainly um, she certainly likes to um, pick her own people, and it's, um, she's a very nice person to um, be involved with. So, you obviously are the first person within the club to have this role. <laughs> what sort of freedoms did you get to establish? What your your day-to-day roles would be did you have a lot of uh, freedom or are you instructed at what certain things are expected of you um a bit of both really um before I joined I was sent a sort of a very a very very professional job description which is the sort of thing you get when you're applying for a, a paid role 
which was really impressive and it, sort of the things that would be expected of the the media officer. But I've probably had more freedom than I probably expected. I mean, all the stuff you see on social media, that's mainly through my own creations. Nobody else sees or knows about that until that goes out, which is a nice thing. It's nice um, that they've got that faith in you, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I know of so many clubs, and so I speak to other media officers that are quite restricted as to what they can do, and even just engaging with fans and football websites like Since Seventy One and Impetus Football. Um, I know some teams are, are discouraged from even doing that, which is is really disappointing and, um, and narrow minded within the women's game. But I think that. In the, some cases that I'm aware of, it, it's more policies that have come over from the men's team that they're having to adhere to, which is just just a real shame. Because um, we we all know that without that engagement, it, it just the, the game simply doesn't grow. Um, so, what about on a match day? What does your what does your role look like? Um, so normally on a match day, I would put a initial tweet out probably about eight nine o'clock in the morning, just advertising the the game and I'd put that out also on Facebook and Instagram particularly if we were at home I'd really try and ramp it up and that would be a that would be a graphic which Bex actually designs the graphics because that's part of her part of her job she's very good at that and um, then if we if it was a home game I would then head to Trafford Park for about 12 half past 12. So is that even before players? Around about the same time the players normally have a meeting about half past twelve with the manager, if it's a two o'clock kickoff. So no one normally get there about the same time. So we, we, along with the secretary Richard, we sort of establish the the team news, and then um, Richard would complete the official team sheet whilst I'm uploading that to Twitter. And then throughout the game, I do the live Twitter updates and let everybody know what's going on. Really. Personally, I think you deserve an award for uh, doing the minute by minutes and match updates. Um, I've done a few myself through the Sit Seventy One social media, and it's a really difficult job to keep up to date with uh, everything that's going on. So uh, my hat goes off to you on that one. It's a uh, it's not an easy task whatsoever. Yeah, thank you very much, <laughs> Harriet. We touched on earlier that you're sponsored by Ben and Impetus Women's Football. How does it feel when someone you've never met has such faith in you as a player? Well, I couldn't really believe it, to be honest, because Beck sort of said to me, you know, we'd, we like our players to have a sponsor. Did you want to try and find somebody? And I sort of had a few people that I thought I could ask. But before I even had a chance to, I already had a message back saying, no, got your sponsor. Um, this is Ben. And then sort of got in contact with Ben. And I just was amazed at how passionate he was. Um and it just felt amazing to have someone. I mean, I've never been given that opportunity to be sponsored before. So to even have that opportunity, let alone have Ben and his platform sponsor me, it just feels great. How does sponsorship work at this level? Is it simply covering your subs, your kit? Um, what, what do you get out of it other than the, uh, the confidence boost? Um, as far as I'm aware, um, yeah, it sort of covers the training, the kit uh, that we get, because that's quite extensive. Um, do you have to pay subs at this level? Uh, no, that's something else I was surprised by. I've always been used to sort of paying subs. But as far as I'm aware, the only thing that um, you're expected to contribute towards is um, a few pounds towards petrol or uh, travel for away games, really. Everything else is all covered, which is amazing. 
how do you, I, I guess you've probably not played any game at the moment, which is probably the, the following is going to be a difficult question, but how do the team tend to travel to away games? Uh, is there a bit of a, is there a mini bus that you guys are able to borrow? What I believe, I mean, I could be corrected by Darren if I'm wrong, but sort of any close games or where, you know, they can't get hold of a bus, they um, sort of travel in a few several cars and sort of all split the petrol cross that way. But they have been to some of the other games on a, on a big coach or a mini bus and uh, they travel that way. Daryl, what's the, the furthest that Roxham tend to travel within the league that you're in? Um, the furthest trip is actually the last game we played, and that was Harringay Borough in North London. That's our longest trip. I think it's around about two and a half hours there and back. So that's that's about the furthest we go. And we, Harriet was spot on with the, the transport we do on the long away games. We do take a nice um, coach, which is uh, it's pricey, but we have to... Um, do that due to the social distancing requirements. Being such a new club, Daryl, have you got any? Are there any rivalries? Is there a local derby for you? Yeah, our local derby is Wyndham Town ladies, who have been the rivals when Roxham was Acle. They were the big rivals as well, because they've always been most recently in the same division. So the sort of locally, that is the big. That is the big rivalry. The other one would be Norwich and Ipswich because they're in the same division. But Wyndham is the team sort of we compete against both in the league and for the best players, really. And so the, uh, are they in the same league as you or are they in the league above, did you say? Wyndham are in the same league. They were actually either, either first first or second, I think, when it all got stopped. So they were doing a, they were doing a little bit better than us, but we do we did have games in hand. Okay, so what is the, the the short and medium term future for Roxham? Are there any particular targets? Yes, the chairman wants us to be in National League, step four. That is most definitely the aim. And the plan is also to have a development team, I believe, from next season, which would go into the Norfolk Women and Girls League. So yeah, it's gonna it's a project that's gonna get stronger and stronger and stronger. I hope. That well, de- but obviously we need more players to make that possible. So you, <laughs> that development team you're looking to set up is that something that you're actively recruiting for now? Um, I I don't think. I mean, we're always on the lookout for players. Bex is constantly um, keeping her eyes and ears out. But um, I don't think we've actually started signing players for it as of yet. No. Right. I think the fact that you guys are looking that far ahead, it's it's really encouraging. And um, I think it's going to be brilliant for the football within the area that you guys are really bringing up that, that overall standard. So, Daryl, you just talked about a possibility of a new development team uh, setting up at Roxham maybe for next season. I mean, in the current state of affairs there, you know, it's very well organised. The club's clearly really full thinking. There's a pathway there for girls from the age of five up to senior football because you've got a link with the local girls team at Bure Valley. So how does that work in, in, you know, in perspective and how would that therefore then link into any development team that you put together? Well, the hope, the hope would be that um, maybe the development team could be made up with quite a few of those Bure Valley um, players. That would be the hope. But um Certainly, the Beer Valley um, partnership, which you now partnered yourself with through uh, Impetus, is something that will only do the club a world of good. And um, we look forward to working with them and hopefully seeing 
many, many young Beer Valley players put on the Roxham shirt over the next few years. I mean, what what is the overlap between Beer Valley and Roxham in terms of like on an average match day? Although was that impacted because of COVID, obviously this season. But what's the sort of the, the crossover between sort of player interaction of the senior Roxham players to Beer Valley, for example? Well, I. Some of our Roxham players, they've been to a few of the Beer Valley training sessions and done a bit of bit of coaching. And we've had the Beer Valley kids up to Trafford Park for some of the home games. And they they create a brilliant atmosphere and uh, lots of noise. And uh, I'd hope I'd hope we could have them back once um, football restarts safely because we if, having them in the in the stand with the Blue Wave band, I think that could be that could be a right racket. <laughs> A brilliant racket. <laughs> well, from what I hear, there's quite a few of them that might be trying to elbow you out of the press box, Daryl. So it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're certainly doing a few bits for you, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they want to report on you, which is fantastic to see. The, the, you know, the youngsters aged sort of seven, eight and nine, they're saying that they want to report on Moxham games, which is brilliant for, you know, that development and the, you know, the whole person development as a person as well as a footballer, which is brilliant. Yeah, and we'll, we'll certainly be welcoming them to... Um home game as soon as we can most definitely yeah no that's great so how you know in the past when we sort of touched base for sponsorship you were you were saying that developing confidence in your ability as a player as you you grow further in the game um is a is a target for yourself i mean we've we know that roxham are very supportive and they're you know they're very switched on in terms of developing human beings as well as footballers so how are they helping you develop in that respects um in a a general term just pushing me out of my comfort zone um like you sort of said the support and positivity that the girls have like I mean on my first session I think I fell over my own shoelaces but it was just we just made a laugh out of it and carried on um before I don't think I'd have ever even thought about sort of almost trialing I suppose you could say for another team I was just sort of comfortable where I was um so the fact that so I've been pushed to sort of come and try, um, it's been, it, that's done wonders my confidence in itself. Um, but yeah, I suppose the sort of get your head up and continue attitude that the team have, um, I think that's only going to do uh, wonders for my confidence as time goes on. Daryl, if anyone's looking to follow Roxham's journey on social media, where can they find you? How can they find you? Well, we're across we're across Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The Twitter is a, a very simple at Rocks and Women, and I believe the Facebook and the Instagram are the same. So, um, yeah, very easy to follow, and we're we're hoping to reach two thousand Twitter followers hopefully soon. I think we're in close to eighteen hundred now. So um, by the end of this year, we've got to be looking sort of to be well over two thousand, especially if we keep doing well in the league. But yeah, there's there's plenty of content on there, and certainly um, certainly well worth a follow. And we Always happy to welcome new fans, both virtually and um, to our games, of course, as well. Well, we'll certainly be sharing the links within the uh, podcast notes and the article that will accompany this episode. And um, we encourage everyone to go and uh, follow Roxham and keep an eye out on Since 71 and Impetus Women's Football because we're going to be closely following your exploits next season. Um, As I said, that. I'm Portsmouth-based, so it's a bit of a journey for me. But from everything you told me, it sounds like it's a really exciting match day with the, the youth teams coming and supporting. 
um the bands that are there so it, it sounds like it'd be a really good little day i'll um it'd be great to come down and see you guys to meet you meet you on a person and um kind of see what the, what's going on with the rest of the squad and it'd be lovely to kind of have you guys back on over the course of the uh next season as well just so that you can kind of keep us up to date on how things have been going how it's all developing because I, I think it just sounds like a really exciting project and one that you should all be immensely proud of and um i think there should be uh, a few teams in around the area that will be looking over their shoulder at you which is uh which is testament to the great work that you guys have been doing especially because you haven't been able to complete a, a full season yet which uh which must be frustrating so thank you for coming down um we don't know what's going to happen with uh, with football yet the the word that we're getting is that there's going to be some form of football coming back so uh I hope you guys can stay safe, um, can get back out on the pitch as soon as possible and um, back to doing um, what you love. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure to um, speak to you tonight. Yeah, thanks for this opportunity. I know, it's uh, it's our pleasure. So um, you guys take care and um, we look forward to uh, the return of football as soon as possible. Take care. Bye-bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 